Greetings to you friends and uh, thank you so much for being part of our online ministry. Today we are going to look at a Bible study that's going to reflect on some of Mark's gospel. Um, for those of you who are able to join the Christianity Explored course, um, which we have started this week, you would know that our overall theme is around Mark's gospel and the seven weeks of Christianity Explored will take us through Mark's Gospel. But there are many of you who are listening who aren't able to get to the course, and uh, I thought what I, I could do is just as part of this Bible study um, is to reflect a little bit in a general sense around the chapters that we are covering in the Christianity Explored course. So this is a bit of a, a mishmash. Um, so those of you who are on the course would be able to get a bit more, hopefully, from these Bible studies. And those of you who aren't would still feel connected to us um, as you as you listen to this. Um, and particularly as we go through this time period, which we know as Lent and leading up to uh, Easter and Holy Week, uh, Mark's gospel is a wonderful way to prepare ourselves for that. Um, and so if you are interested in reading through Mark's gospel in Lent, it's, it's a wonderful gospel to, to start with. So I'm going to invite you to take out your Bibles and, and have, a, have a look. We're going to kind of cover chapter 1 and chapter 2 today. Um, I won't read it in its entirety, but we'll read various sections of it. Um, and, and our theme for today is around the topic of good news and also around waiting. And I wonder how long you've waited in, in your life experience for something to happen, some particular good news. And let me give you a few examples, like maybe you waiting to get a job and then eventually you get this job and it's wonderful news or waiting for a grandchild or maybe uh, waiting for your children to finish their qualifications and their degrees or, you know, whatever it is, maybe even sending somebody a gift in the post. And we joke around this a lot of the time is that sadly with our postal system, you know, you could wait a long, long time for that gift to arrive. But just hold that in your thoughts as we think around waiting. Now, we know between the record of the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a period of 400 plus years of what we often refer to as the time of silence, where um, not much was written, and we don't know much about that period um, that bridges the Old and the New Testament. People were still waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled, still waiting for the Messiah to come, and then suddenly we get into the New Testament, and we believe Mark's Gospel was the first of the Gospels to be written, um, and we have these announcements, which we'll, we'll talk about now. But I came across a few idioms, just while we're talking about waiting, that, that we use within the English language to speak about this, um, this moment or this pause in time when we are waiting for something to happen. So many of these you will, you will know. For example, we speak about biding one's time. We speak about waiting with bated breath. We speak sometimes about twiddling one's thumbs while you are waiting or waiting on tenter hooks. We speak about waiting with open arms or waiting in vain, waiting for your ship to come in, waiting for the dust to settle, waiting for the green light, waiting for the paint to dry, waiting for the clock to strike, or 
waiting for the storm to pass, waiting for the writing on the wall, waiting for the smoke to clear, waiting for the fat lady to sing, or waiting for the grass to grow under your feet, or waiting for the water to boil. There are many, many idioms that speak about waiting, and it's something that seems to be part of our human nature. The people of Israel were waiting for the promised Messiah. And so when we read in Mark chapter 1, Mark's opening statement, it's little wonder that he starts with this proclamation of good news, because essentially he's saying the waiting is now over. Here begins the good news about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And this is the opening verse, the opening statement of Mark chapter 1. And um, like I say, just imagine how you have felt after waiting for a long time, waiting for your passport to be delivered to you, waiting for that reply via email, whatever it is, and suddenly you get that reply and it's good news. You just have this beautiful feeling of elation. People of God at uh, this time in the first century are elated because the Messiah has come. And so Mark begins his gospel by sharing the good news. Then he speaks about how Isaiah had foretold this. Um, chapter, uh, verse 2, chapter 1, Look, I am sending my messenger before you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make a straight path for him. So um, we know, because it says very clearly in the next verse, this messenger was John the Baptist. And Mark tells us about John living in the wilderness, preaching about this, and then baptizing people in the River Jordan. And then we also have Mark um, very clearly speaking about the, the Spirit of God descending on Jesus like a dove in that moment where Jesus is baptized. That's verse 9 to 11. And so we have this confirmation. You know, Mark is telling us the good news. The waiting is over. He confirms it with the word from Isaiah. He confirms it with the, the forerunner, John the Baptist, who was in the f- kind of form of Elijah the prophet. And then he confirms it by including this account of the Father speaking in verse 11. A voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, and I am fully pleased. So we, we see this as Mark's emphasis He's not just making this up. It's not a false hope that the the waiting is over. He's saying, yes, the good news, the waiting is over. And here is how I'm going to introduce this to you. Old Testament prophet John the Baptist and the voice of God himself. And then what we see is um, the spirit of God leading Jesus into the wilderness, preparing himself for uh, ministry later on, being tempted by Satan and then his ministry starting. And just to clarify um, that Mark's gospel being the first gospel, we believe, but also the shortest gospel, Mark's intention, it seems, when he writes, is to, to give us almost like these, um, these flashpoints, almost like a, a postcards, if you like, of what's happened in the life and ministry of Jesus. And the only way I can best describe it, and I was sharing with one of our groups, is is if you could picture um, attending memorial services nowadays where people show photographs of the deceased. And it's a wonderful moment because we get to see the person's life 
and uh, the pictures tell the story. Now, you can imagine that because a memorial service has a certain time frame, you, you can't show every single photograph of the person, and, and especially the older they are, you would spend hours, if not days, looking at photographs that cover every moment of that person's life. And so in a way, if you understand that image, Mark is doing a similar thing with the story of Jesus. He's putting down on paper or on parchment, which, remember, was very expensive. He's putting down on parchment for the church, for the next generation of believers, these flash points, these photographs that tell the story of the coming of the Messiah, that tell the story of Jesus and all that has happened in his ministry. The Gospels, like many of the other uh, books of the, of the New Testament, but particularly the Gospels, um, are written as the writers, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as they got older and began to realize that Jesus was probably not going to come back in their lifetime. You know, when Jesus spoke to the disciples and even just after he ascended into heaven, the disciples and the church, the followers of Jesus, lived with this expectation that he would return imminently. So remember I spoke about this whole thing of the waiting and um, the 400 years of silence. For them, they believed that the Messiah was not going to be returning in a long, long time in the future, but rather quite soon. However, as the the writers and the disciples started to get older and began to realize, look, it may not be in their lifetime. So they began to write the records um, and the Gospels, the good news story of the life of Jesus. And so Mark records straight away um, some of this ministry. He jumps into it, uh, verse 14. After John had been arrested, Jesus went to Galilee to preach God's good news, and he said, At last the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Turn from your sins and believe this good news. So this long-awaited kingdom of God is now present. It had been spoken of um, in the Old Testament. Uh, people had an idea of what the kingdom would be, um, particularly from a political realm, they had seen kingdoms, man-made kingdoms. But this new reign, this kingdom that had been promised, is now ushered in through the birth and the life of Jesus. Um, there is a commentary here that I would just like to, to, to read for you. Um, it says this, that the Old Testament prophets often spoke about this future kingdom ruled by a descendant of King David that would be established on earth and exist for eternity. Thus, when Jesus spoke of the time and the presence of the kingdom of God, the Jewish community understood him to mean that the Messiah, and remember that that word Messiah or anointed one or the Christ is the title of Jesus, that the Messiah had come to fulfill this kingdom or to inaugurate this long-awaited kingdom. Jesus reassured them that God was in sovereign control and he had begun to act in a new and decisive way. So Jesus announces the kingdom, um, and with that, there's a whole lot of other offshoots that not only is the kingdom of God here, but that he is the, the long-awaited king or the Messiah. 
And then we see, and this carries on a lot through the Gospels, Jesus trying to explain what the kingdom of God means and the disciples and the people not understanding it because they're thinking of a different kind of kingdom, a different kind of realm. It's because of what they've known and seen in the past. They misunderstand why Jesus really has come and they misunderstand the whole thing of of his kingdom. From from there in verse 14 and 15, we see that Jesus begins to call his disciples to come and follow him. Um, Then he gets up in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he preaches and he teaches and people are amazed at his authority. We see he has authority over um, the evil spirits. And then he has authority over illness when he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then he continues as he preaches throughout Galilee. And you'll see this in the end of Mark chapter 1 as he preaches and then as he heals the man with leprosy. And so Mark is revealing just in, like I say, these very short images of the, the power that Jesus has, the authority that he has. And it's painting the picture for us of uh, of the Son of God, of the Messiah, Messiah and his impact on the community. We remember that hidden in Mark chapter 1, there is that very intriguing but important part where Jesus himself realizes that he needs to be restored and renewed, and so he goes into the wilderness to pray early in the mornings to spend time with his Father. And, and, and one can only marvel at how Mark tries to put this together, showing the complete authority and the divinity of Jesus, and yet also showing his humanity, his compassion, and it paints a very beautiful picture of, of God. Um, and remember that Jesus himself said, you know, when we've seen him, we've seen the Father. When we've seen the, the action and the true nature and character of Jesus— as recorded in the Gospels, so we have a clearer understanding of the image of God. Chapter 2 of Mark continues as he heals um, a paralyzed man. This is the lovely story where the, the four friends lower their paralyzed friend down into the room. Then Jesus eats in the house of Matthew and um, invites Matthew to be his disciple and then eats with the other sinners and tax collectors, and he is told off by the Pharisees saying, you shouldn't be doing that. And then we, we hear Jesus saying this very famous uh, word in verse 17 of Mark 2. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call sinners, not those who think that they are already good enough. So Mark is telling us another aspect of the ministry of Jesus that he's going to be mixing with the riffraff. He's going to be calling those who were maybe not on the short list to become Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders. He's going to be calling them to come and to follow him in this new kingdom, this new way of, of life and faith. And so Mark is painting this picture for us. Then the religious leaders continue to, to question Jesus. They ask about his disciples and fasting and why aren't they fasting. And then even as they are walking through the grain fields, they pick the heads of the wheat 
and the Pharisees are upset about that. And so we, we see already in the first um, two chapters of Mark who Jesus is, uh, the proclamation of him as the Son of God, bringing a new kingdom, but already we see also the conflict and the divided opinions of people as they look at Jesus. Some welcome him, some follow him, some are very suspicious, some are questioning, some outright want nothing to do with him. And so as, as we are going to journey in this time over the next six weeks or so, leading to Easter and just a week or two beyond, um, I would invite you to also take Mark's gospel as a platform, as a foundation for yourself and to read it through. And you could maybe read Mark 1 and 2 um, when you have a moment. Of course, it is helpful to read the other gospels also and to fill in some of those blanks, um, to fill in some of those parts that, that Mark maybe doesn't elaborate on or that when he was putting the, his gospel together, he felt people either already knew or he didn't want to emphasize for his particular uh, readers. And um, one must always just hold that in the back of our minds that it's not that they left things out because they weren't true. It was just that the gospel writers were trying to convey a message or convince their readers of Jesus being the Christ or the Messiah. Um, and that each gospel writer has their own particular slant in this. Remember, Matthew writes very much for a Jewish audience. Luke, as the, the doctor we believe, but also very intellectual, holds a lot of his audience as being Gentile, um, as well as, as some of them being a Jewish. And then John, uh, particularly writing to, to folk who understand uh, Jewish customs. So there is this different emphasis, and uh, I would invite you to hold that in balance as we, as we read. And so, yes, friends, I'm going to leave it there for today, but just to ask you to reflect on this bit of good news and then to, to pray that God would open our eyes um, to different things about Jesus being our Lord, to being our King, uh, to being the suffering servant who, who shows the nature of God in, in different ways and maybe catches us by surprise at times. So I'm going to pray for us and then uh, allow us to continue with our day. So Lord, thank you so much for the Gospel of Mark. Thank you that it does introduce us to this wonderful good news, uh, the Gospel. Um, and we join in that celebration, as it were, that the waiting is over. And now we get to celebrate um, with Mark and with the disciples as they encounter their long-awaited Messiah. Help us, Lord, in the season of Lent to keep reflecting in our hearts what this means for us, that we call you Lord, that we call you Savior, we call you friend, um, and what does that really mean for us on a daily basis. And so, God, we ask that you continue to lead and guide us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, for those of you who are listening to this um, in the week before our circuit worship celebration, I just wanted to remind you that on Sunday, the 25th of February at 2 o'clock, 
We're going to be having a combined circuit worship celebration service. Um, this year, or well, this month, we're having it at the Tukai Methodist Church, but we have worship teams that are leading us from the Westlake community as well as Musenberg and Tukai. So come along. Um, it's going to be a wonderful time of just collective worship and fellowship together. Thank you, and God bless you. Bye-bye.